I'm Tyler Patman, and this is how you sell without selling out. Rogers that. Hi, everybody. I'm Rogers Healy, and welcome to Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And today we have somebody who is just a champion. He is a NFL veteran. He is a husband. He is a father. He is a believer. He is a leader. And he has found a passion for going and using his gifts for something so much bigger, bigger and better than himself. He wants to lead the youth to Christ, to significance, and to finding what their purpose is, whether it's sports or anything else. And today we have Tyler Patman. He played for the Cowboys. He played for the Jaguars. He played for Kansas. And yes, Kansas has a football team uh, and he played for them. Uh, and, and today he's going to share his story about finding his significance uh, at a really, really young age. At, at 32 years old, by the time this thing airs, his birthday's in January of 2023, but we might not see this until uh, February or, or beyond. At an early age, him and his wife, Tiffany, who is a, a celebrity and, a, and a, a stud in herself, she is a the, the state record holder for assists in Oklahoma for basketball. She was a WNBA champion for the Phoenix Mercury. And uh, this powerhouse couple also has two daughters, one of which is just one month old, maybe a little bit older by the time uh, this episode airs. But they have found a way to divide and conquer their passions, both uh, at home with their family, but also in the community. Uh, they have camp exposure. They have a clothing line as well called God Benefits, and we're going to talk all about that today on the episode. But today is about uh, learning really about uh, Tyler's heart and his head and how he's combined the passions to go and really impact the community uh, and to let people know that it's okay to go and follow stuff that uh, makes you makes you uh, makes you full. So Tyler, welcome to the show. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thank you. That was a great intro. Yeah, truly appreciate. That. Really? Yes. Yeah, that intro is really brought to you by caffeine. Uh, what Tyler <laughs> and I were talking about before this was started is uh, I got up this morning. I kind of got up yesterday, and uh, yeah, that's that that was it, and that, that that that's the Tyler background. But yeah, maybe maybe give us a little bit of background about yourself, whether it's football, your faith, your 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 family. What made Tyler Tyler? Um. Man, there was a lot of things, you know, that made me or that has made me who I am, you know, and just kind of, you know, my experiences growing up and, and, and everything that I've, I've been through and um, just kind of my upbringing, man. We talked briefly about how I'm from a small town of of about 15, 1,500 to 3,000 people, Crescent, Oklahoma, um, you know, very, right north of Oklahoma City. Um, having that experience of growing up in that small town, you know, being partly raised by my grandparents and then, you know, moving to the big city of Dallas, Texas, living in North Dallas and then to DeSoto, Texas, and then to Austin, which, you know, if you're from Texas, you know, these are two completely different towns, right? And yeah. just the, the, the vibe, the Also, this is the part where I tell you, Crescent is a town, Austin and Dallas are cities. Yes. They're not, yes. they're not towns. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So just having that switch from going from that small town to the big city, um, from the inner city to, you know, to the suburbs and just having all these different experiences, man, I think it's truly made me who I am. Um, just having these different households that I grew up in, my grandparents, with my father, you know, with my father and then my stepmother, right? Being a only child and then having two young uh, brother and sister being born while I was in high school. Man, it's just everything that I've been through, I feel like has truly made me who I am. And, and now so, you're a girl dad. I'm a true girl dad. Yeah. You know, had, had one girl um, almost two years ago now, and then just to have another one. Um, but, man, it's um, it's a different... Yeah. It's just a different love. It's a different thing when I get to wake up in the morning. And usually, you know, I work from home, so I go upstairs. I'm in my office, and I can hear her yelling, making noises when she wakes up. 
And when I come downstairs and now she's that she has the ability to start running and just to see her eyes light up, her smile, her face every day running to me, it's I don't know, man. It's yeah. just it's just it's a gift that, you know, God truly gave us to understand like true love. Like yeah. it's it's special. We should do a different podcast just on being a girl dad. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted a girl and if if we ever have a son that's even that's awesome, but I really wanted a girl and what it's done to me, honestly, like last year we started doing this podcast and I had a daughter in the same year and it's changed my life exponentially. Yeah, and yeah you're right. It's, it's, I don't know how I could love something as much as I love our daughter, right. but I do think having a daughter makes the right kind of guys that much mm. more sensitive and right. aware. Most definitely. Um, and we're at a phase now where she's starting to recognize me mm-hmm. and like give a little bit of attitude, which yeah. <laughs> um, I know there's a lot of karma coming my way. Oh but, man, listen, yeah, my, my daughter is fiery, and that's how I was. I was a hothead, man. I'm I'm always passionate about everything I do, and my daughter is a spitting image of me. Yeah, like her her aggression, just how she handles things. You say that with a smile now, but like in 15 oh, years, you're gonna be goodness. like, my daughter is a spitting image <laughs> of me. It is exhausting. We're not sleeping. Uh, she wants a car. Yes. She's starting to date. Man, it's uh, a... God probably didn't make her ugly, which, yeah. Oh, definitely not. Beautiful curly hair, yeah. man. She, like I said, beautiful smile. So, yeah, I'm, we're, we're in for it, but yeah. it's a blessing, man. Definitely. For yeah. Sure. Cool. Well, well give, us, give us the background on, on the sports part, too. A lot of y'all that are watching and listening might recognize him from football, but, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that sports don't last forever, at least for in, sure. competing, but... Mm-hmm. You obviously had a gift at an early age that you recognized, and maybe that helped get you to Kansas, helped get you to the NFL, and mm-hmm. you know playing for a few years. That's yeah. that's a rarity in itself. Right. But what was the evolution of Tyler? You know, from a, a child to you know sure. a, a professional athlete. Um, man, again, just being from a small town is something that was inbred in everything that we did. Just going outside and playing, right? Going in the backyard, going into the empty lot playing throw-up, tackle, whatever the thing might be, playing basketball on the street. Um, It's something that I've always had a passion for. You know, I was always, you know, gifted, talented in that area. And, um, man, it was just that mixed with my mentality. Um, You know, if you go, a big thing that that I focus on, all my social media handles is Lionhearted. And that was just something that was kind of in me since a child. You know, I think it has to do with, you know, of course, my upbringing, but um, just that mentality that I've always had that I'm going to I'm going to make it, you know, what I mean, and um, I was blessed enough to have the talent behind it, you know, to back up my words. Right. And um, ended up, you know, going to Vista Ridge High School in Cedar Park, Texas, uh, where my dad was a coach um, and just to backpedal a little bit, just just, you know, spending some time in DeSoto, you know, where my dad was a coach at DeSoto High School. Um, was really where I fell in love with Texas high school football, right? At that time, man, we're talking about, you know, guys that I looked up to, Ellis Hobbs, Tatum Bell, Eric Buchanan, all these guys ended up going to the collegiate level. And, you know, Ellis Hobbs and Tatum Bell, big-time NFL guys. And uh, just being being in that environment, being around those guys, seeing how they operated, um, experiencing that, being on the sidelines of a Texas high school football game. And especially back, this was what, like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, so this was the early 2000s. Yeah, so it was. this was more varsity blues than it is now. Oh, man, now, it was... It was it was beautiful. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I mean, because now even the evolution from a real estate perspective, mm-hmm. DeSoto now versus 10 or 15 years ago, oh, it's different. Cedar Hill's a different city. DeSoto's a different city. Duncanville's a different city. And back then, even though you're 15 minutes from downtown, you still have a little bit of the old school, right. you know, which which 
is what makes Texas a different kind of mm-hmm. special. Even Oklahoma has football, but it's there's nothing different. like Texas high school football. Right. And so you saw that and mm-hmm. you wanted a taste of it. And like, I mean, I want to be a professional athlete. And then, you know, I chose yeah. to play Nintendo and eat donuts versus <laughs> exercise. Right. Uh, so what was what was that, you know, getting mm-hmm. against the, t- the statistics, you know, at, at that phase? How did you go and defy the odds and, and be lionhearted? I love that. Yeah, man. I, again, I just think it goes back to my work ethic. You know, you can look at me, right? I'm not the biggest guy. You know, if I'm walking down the street, I'm probably not the guy that you'll point out and say, oh, he played in the NFL. Um, but it didn't matter to me, whoever you lined up against me, uh, whatever they looked like, whatever their size was, however they were built, I took pride in that no one was going to outwork me regardless. You know what I mean? And that, and that's just how I carried myself. Um, you know, like I said, I was very passionate. I was fiery. I was the kid that if I lost in a game, I was going to cry. You know, I was that kid. And so it, it just carried on throughout life, man. And so throughout my, you know, the adversity that I faced with all the injuries that I had, um, I still had that belief in my in my mind, had that mentality, um, and it paid off, you know. So I was able to, you know, actually be the first D1 athlete out of my high school, um, you know, to get a football scholarship to the University of wow. Kansas, you know, where I ended up going for four years, man, and, and had that adversity there as well, just um, having three different head coaches in four years, um, four different defensive coordinators, three different position coaches, right, three different strength coaches. And so really just, um, you know, having that mentality really helped me to stay the course, um, to continue to believe in who I was and my ability, regardless of what was happening around me. Um, and, man, after that, I was able to grad transfer um, to the University of Oklahoma State, which is truly a blessing, man, because, again, you talk about Kansas at that time. We were at the bottom of the barrel, right? And um, it was a it was a mentality. It was a consistency in that environment um, that we weren't supposed to win games. And if we did, we Isn't that won. crazy? One. Yeah, it's yeah. just – and you just see the difference, right? When I went to Oklahoma State, <clears throat> just the shift in the culture. Um, and I was – it was a special was situation. Was coach at Oklahoma State? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was just a special, a special situation because – I was able to go into an environment that at that time in my class, they had about 20 seniors. And these were guys that were playing, like not just, you know, seniors that were on the team, like big time guys on their team. Um, And to just step into that environment and see that all these guys had the same mentality that I had. And it was a certain standard that we were going to set. And to step into that, man, and just to be on that campus where football was king and not basketball, um, it was a special experience for me, man. Well, they expected to win. Exactly. You know, it's weird. And even, again, from a fan perspective, as an SMU guy, mm-hmm. we, and I've, I've been able to remember Oklahoma State, one of the most ridiculous moments of my life. My best friend in college uh, was a defensive back for SMU. And he was, uh, and we're not going to say his name in case he's watching this, but he was he was a Jim Thorpe finalist. And I, I was like, holy crap, he's going to be in the NFL. And then they went. we went to play Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, and I drove there for the day. And there was a guy named Rashawn Woods, yeah. who was a receiver. receiver. Yep. I have never seen, first of all, the atmosphere there was one of the most fun mm-hmm. college atmospheres ever. I remember the bowl. They had everybody that was they had the there boards. pounding the, <laughs> the, the, the thing with the boards. And Rashawn Woods had seven touchdowns. Mm. And oh. at the end of the game, I was like, my buddy might not play in the NFL <laughs> right. now. Uh, if you're watching, just fast forward that part. But yeah, Did he make it? 
uh, he played on the practice squad for the Titans. We have his jersey here. We okay. need to get one of your jerseys. Yeah. But yeah, if you, if, you know, he had a cup of coffee in the NFL, which is more obviously than anything a lot, else. A but lot of other people, right? Um, anyway, but yeah, that environment, they expect to win. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was maybe set you up differently for the future. But even then, there's 20 guys on the team that probably expect to play in the NFL. And then here you are again, defying the odds and, and being the lion. Not that they weren't, but yeah, you know, I, I always wondered too. If I was a great athlete in high school and I wanted to go to college, my logic would be: Do I want to ride the bench in basketball at UNC, or do I want to start at SMU? And you did both. Right. You know, you were the star at a, a lovable loser, mm-hmm. and then you went to play for a powerhouse. Right. Even though you had freaking three great coaches at Kansas, yeah. it's just, it's hard when it's a basketball yeah, school. Man, it's, it, it was definitely tough. And of course, at that time, you know, when I decided to go to Kansas, they had just beat, you know, the number t- three team, Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl. Kansas? Yeah. And so this was actually, they were coming off two great years. Um, Todd Reeson was the quarterback who is a stud, who was a stud, right? Todd Reeson, Jake Sharp was a pretty good running back, and Desmond Briscoe were like the three-headed monster at Kansas. And, um, you know, again, I believe that culture was starting to change. And then, you know, the situation that happened with Mangino and with the team, man, kind of just, it just took a snowball effect and affected the next few years. And, you know, like you said, man, just being on both of those teams and seeing the different cultures, um, I, I feel like I'm very observant as a as a young kid, and just to see that from a a leader standpoint and the culture standpoint, and how that relates to business and everything that you do, like you said, of setting that standard of we expect to win, you can see you just felt it and you saw it, you know, in our everyday activities. Yeah, which again, on the flip side, as someone who lost, I, for me, one of my biggest fears when I was growing as an adult was mm-hmm. succeeding. Mm-hmm. Right? It's almost like if you win in Kansas. I'm not going to knock Kansas. I think that winning is as overwhelming as losing, mm. right? And then I think once you get into that headspace, which is probably why you have camp exposure and you have God benefits and you're out there training youth, it's like it's okay to lose, right? Right? But you, Oklahoma State doesn't enter the year hoping to make it to, oh, no. you know, the the random bowl in Frisco, Texas. They right. want to make it to a BCS bowl. Oh, yeah. uh, so, again, you, you graduate, you, mm-hmm. you go to college, you, you're a champion, then you play in the NFL for probably the most storied franchise mm-hmm. in North America. Yeah. And you, you, you do that for five years, but you had to reach a point where maybe football was your job. Yeah. And then you realize <laughs> that you had to do something after that. So maybe get us inside the story of, of what you're doing now. Yeah, Honestly, man. play in the NFL and right. share, share the story of that. Yeah, yeah. Where um, you go from Oklahoma State of the NFL to the Kansas of the NFL because the Jaguars back when you played, <laughs> you know, you didn't they didn't have Trevor no. Lawrence. Well, well, we ended up going to the AFC Championship and losing to the Jaguars? Tom Brady, yes. Really? Wait, yes. who was a quarterback for the Jags? Um, oh my goodness. I see, see it. Blake good... Bortles. Blake Bortles. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so that's 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 fair. Yes. Yeah. You and know he's, what I mean? he's still playing. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And so I think he yeah, I know he was playing last year. I'm not sure if he's playing this year, but No, he is. Because I, I just read about him. <laughs> he just did something like I wanna say he like saved somebody from a I, I don't know what it was, but uh-huh. Peyton Hillis, if you saw that today, the guy that was the running back for the Browns, he's in ICU right now because he just saved two kids' life that wow. were drowning. But I think it Blake is. Bortles literally saved somebody from a helicopter crash what? like three days ago. Um, Some Superman stuff. Yeah, there, he's, like. he's still playing. But <laughs> yeah, crazy. he was going to be the Jag savior and then, you know. Yeah. Okay, you know, so you play in the NFC Championship. And yeah, if you're going to lose, lose to Tom Brady. Right, exactly. Right. And so, man, again, like you said, just experiencing both those cultures, 
um, you know, went from playing for the Dallas Cowboys where my mom was like, hey, I, I know what you're doing every day. I know what you guys do at practice. Um, just being, you like, know, mom, the, let me, let me, let me <laughs> work. Right. But it's just the fact of how the Dallas Cowboys operate, um, that they're going to keep you updated. You know, it's the biggest fan base in the world. Yeah. Right. So they're reaching fans no, no matter where I went. I'm always going to find somebody that's a Dallas Cowboy fan, right? And just to see the different type of perspective that was had or the different type of attention, you know, she could read articles every single day of what was going on with the Cowboys. But when I went to the Jaguars, she's like, I have no clue what's going on, right, until a big-time article comes out. And so it was just different, man. Again, just my experiences, being able to be on some of the teams. There was a year when I was kind of moving around. Like I went to Kansas City, Kansas City, um, Tennessee, Miami, right? All in the same so, year. All in the same year. Ugh. Yeah. And so just being able to experience all these different cultures, to see all these different leaders, all these different coaches, um, again, just being observant in that moment really taught me a lot. And um, man, it, it had really, you know, if I'm being completely honest, got to a point to where, um, you know, I, I kind of lost my identity a little bit. And who I truly was and being that person that was going to fight through all adversity. And um, I got to a point where I was like, man, I, I'm starting to feel like I kind of deserve something. Right. And my last year, um, you know, I had made the decision, hey, if if a team wants to sign me and they're wanting me to come in here and, you know, be a special teams guy and, you know, not really fight for a defensive starter position, I'm not sure if I want to play. Right. And, um, you know, I had made that decision and I had gotten a call from the Oakland Raiders and it was going to be that type of deal. Right. Where I knew the special team coach, he was my coach in Dallas and he wanted to bring me in. He wanted me to be that guy. And, um, you know, I sat down, we had conversations and I was telling him, like, look, hey, you know, my big goal is to, to earn a defensive starters position. Right. And that's not specifically what they had in mind for me. And, you know, we had to make a decision to part ways. I ended up going in training camp with the Miami Dolphins, um, and that didn't work out. And so, man, I made the decision, like, hey, if if I don't get another call this year, I'm just going to start coaching, right? It's in my blood. It's what my dad has done for the past 20 years. And so I'm going to take my shot at it. I know I'm passionate about it. I know I love it. And so uh, made that decision, man, to to step into coaching. I was trying to decide if I wanted to coach college or high school. And I was really in a place where I was truly trying to let God lead me. Were you married? Um, we were, you know, get me in trouble, man. Well, okay, sorry. Uh, we were not married yet. But we you were, were not married but yet. But you were with? Yeah, we, me and Tiffany now, were together. Your wife. Uh, we had been together probably for four or five years. And um, I made the transition into coaching, man. Um, I ended up coaching a year at North 20 High School. Um, coach safety's up there. Um, I was a PE teacher, you know, and it was something that I was loving. I was passionate about. Um, and while I was there, man, I just kind of felt like God was leading me to do more outside of than just one school, um, to make a, you know, leave a bigger impact. Not to say that coaches don't leave a huge impact on those kids. Right. Um, but I just felt like he would, me personally was telling me to do something outside of the school. And so I made the decision, man, about a year and a half ago to, um, start, um, running camp exposure full time um, and to really step into that role and, you know, jump in the water um, in order to really start this business um, and this nonprofit. 
and and to truly dedicate myself to helping kids find their identity beyond sports. What was the first, like when you make, I, I get it, I've been through similar situations where what you're describing is a calling, Yeah. right? And I think if you don't answer the call, then you're going to make a lot of people mad, nobody more mad than, than God and yourself. But what was the moment where you're like, okay, we're doing this. We're going to actually go and take a leap of faith. I'm going to leave something that's steady and hmm. stable <laughs> and you know, I'm going to do this with a wife and, and two daughters or a wife and a, a daughter and another one on the way at the time. Mm-hmm. What was that process like for you? Um, man, I, I had time um, was the biggest thing because I kind of got this nudge in October, November of and that's, you know, mid football season. And so I'm I still have to at least coach through May of next year. And so I kind of got this nudge and. Um, the nudge was, I want, uh, I want you to start your own school. Like that was the kind of calling I feel like I was getting. I want you to start your own school, your own academy. And I was like, okay, um, you know, I'm gonna pray on it. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of be patient with it because my whole persona, who I am has always been a guy that's I'm foot on the pavement. I'm going, I'm attacking, right. I'm gonna work my butt off. Right. And that's what's going to come out of it. And I've always um, at that younger age struggled with slowing down, putting a plan in place, putting steps in order and then going and attack. I was always just attack, attack, attack. Right. And so this time I was like, hey, I need to take a step back. Right. What is this going to look like? How are we going to execute? What are going to be the steps? You know, how am I going to provide for my family still? Right. Being an entrepreneur is not easy. Right. And so. Man, I had time to really pray and make sure I just wasn't making a decision for myself. I wasn't making a decision um, based off of my feelings, um, but that this was something that I was truly being called to do. And so, um, man, just continue to pray on it. And I continue to get that calling, uh, continue to see how, you know, God putting the vision together for me. And, um, man, I, I made that decision um, in February or March, you know, when I talked to our head coach and told him, hey, coach. You know, I'm going to walk away from this and, you know, I'm going to go full head into what we're doing with Camp Exposure. And here we are. Yes. So fast forward to the success of Camp Exposure and, and, and what's the elevator pitch for it and how do we find it before I forget? Yeah. So we describe Camp Exposure as a faith-based, holistic youth development program. What does the term holistic mean? The whole, so 360, okay. right? So we just don't focus on the athlete performance on the field. We just don't focus on helping athletes with their marketing or, you know, find the right agent. We focus on the entire person, right? So when we talk about holistic, our pillars really describe what that is, right? So we talk about identity. We help these kids find their identity beyond sports. We talk about their mental health. How do they handle all the situations they're going through, their spiritual health, their nutrition and wellness, their relationship skills, their professional development, and their financial literacy. Right. So that's kind of our foundation. And we feel like if we can really um, build that foundation for these kids, we can really put them on a path for success. How old are the kids? Um, Right now, we focus specifically on high school kids. You know, our big vision is to venture down K through 12 and start our own academy. Um, And then eventually to that collegiate, that professional level to where we're helping all athletes. Right. And that's the big vision to have a kid. Imagine us having a kid from kindergarten, you know, age five all the way until he exits the game at age 32. Good luck not getting attached. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, that's that's when you truly start to make that impact, right, and leave that imprint. And and for student athletes to have an organization that they can trust that has been there since they were knee high, right, that's – 
that's big time. I feel like the student athletes are athletes, period. You know, I'm sure you have relationships with a lot of athletes and a lot of athletes find it hard to trust people, right? Because they're always getting pulled. People are always asking for stuff. And so just to have that organization where they can go and get all in one, they know this organization has their best interests at heart. That's what we're all about, right? And we're truly about helping these kids find their gift and talent beyond sports and how to di- direct that into a professional career. How do you integrate uh, the faith into it as well? It's, it's, a, it's, in, it's, it's in everything we do, right? And so when we talk about our first pillar is identity, um, we're firm believers that, you know, our number one mission is to help these kids, you know, um, discover who their father in heaven is, right? And if we do that and say we don't get a kid a job or we don't, you know, get a kid to the NFL, if we do that number one thing, we've won. We won, right? And so when we talk about identity, that's what it's all about. We want these kids to understand who they are, who God has called them to be. And a big example we use, man, is just understanding, you know, have you ever, you've, I'm sure you've seen like a big pen, right? Um, you know, the ones that, the old school ones that have the top with the hole on the top. Like a pen, like a writing pen? Yeah, like a writing pen. Yeah. The old school pen, the caps that have the hole at the top. Bic. Yeah. Bic pens. Do yeah. you know what that hole is for on the top? Uh-uh. So the hole for on the top of a big pen, it, the cap was people chew on the caps, right? I was going to say it makes it easier to chew. Well, the, the problem was before they did that, people were swallowing those caps and choking on them. So they put the hole on the top in order that if people swallowed them, they could still breathe. Oh, my God. Right. And so the whole point that we make with telling that story is you would never That's really know. why? Yeah, that's really why. You would think they just would stop making the tops. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you got to protect them from, yeah. you know, but. Or just make it a clickable pin. Right. But no, Which they did. Yeah. You know, they advanced. Eventually, but, yeah. Um, the whole point of us telling that story to kids is to understand we would never know what that was for unless we went to the creator of that pin. Right. So we had to go to the big website. We had to go to watch a big video to understand what that cap was for. So just like that creator had a purpose for that cap, whoever created you, whether whatever you believe, we're going to help you start to find whoever you believe your creator is. And of course, we believe in one creator, but that creator be able to tell you what your purpose is. Right. And why he created you and what your purpose here here is on Earth and how to go and get it and how to live it out, right, and be impactful. So that's what we're all about, man. It's, it's in everything that we do. It's, it's in our DNA. So. Do you remember your first win with the academy and with the camp? Um, man, our first win. So we did our first, what we call our educational football camp now, right? Uh, we did our first camp um, back in 2018. We actually, um, we held our first camp at the um, – the pit, the pit indoor soccer field in Frisco, Texas. And we were able to bus um, about 50 kids up from South Dallas. Hmm. Um, and it was just a special time, man, where we actually brought in one of my my good friends and my brother, Lubbock Smith, who was an academic uh, counselor at USC at the time. And so we brought, we were able to bring him in and, and really talk about academic readiness with the kids. And um, man, just seeing some of those kids move on in life like I think the oldest kid that has been a part of our program now is about to exit college Um, and just to see how they carry themselves now um, especially the environments that they come from what they've experienced 
um, it's great just to come back and see a young man look you in your eye. And it's the small things that we, you appreciate, like yeah. looking you eye, look you in your eye, have a conversation with you, be able to really express themselves and tell you what they're going through in life. It, it's special, man. And, you know, it's it's sometimes hard for us to to miss because we do have high standards. Right. And of course, you want to see that kid that you know, you have a conversation with and then he goes and gets baptized and he becomes a CEO of this company. But again, it's the small wins that you see that really give these kids a chance to understand who they are and how to take those steps to being successful in life. Um, okay. So, so to, so to bring it, you know, kind of full circle, uh, you know, it's a, it's an overwhelming feeling. I think when you find out what you're supposed to be doing with your life, uh, overwhelming in a lot of great ways, but also, you know, I'm sure like me, you're wired in the sense that like, it's, it's, kind of never enough, mm-hmm. right? Like in a good way, it's like, yeah. there's never going to be enough kids that you can go and impact and, sure. and, and trying to treat a passion, how to scale a passion where a lot of it revolves around Tyler and your family and your team. How do you go and grow camp exposure, your clothing line, God benefits, mm-hmm. et cetera, and still be satisfied? Yeah. I mean, that loaded question, but it's a question I kind of ask myself too. It's yeah. like, I have this whole happy Monday thing mm-hmm. where every day to me is Monday. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's bizarre. I think it's hard to work for me, but I think that on the bad side of it, it's never enough. Right. H- how do you go do that? Knowing that there are tens of thousands of kids that literally need your program. Yeah. You might not have access to them, but mm-hmm. what's the mindset for you to go and do that and yeah. still be fulfilled? Um, man, I think it's just, you know, understanding, like you said, the, the work is plenty, but the laborers are few, you know. So when you talk about everybody, like you said, working on a team, everybody having their specific calling, their specific gift, their specific talent, um, you know, I know I have to step into mine, right? And I have to do it on a consistent What's basis. What's yours? There you go. There's a big question. Right. And I believe truly that, you know, my gift, my talent, uh, my purpose here on earth is to help other people step into their purpose. Damn, that's great. You know, to find their identity, uh, to find who they truly are. And it's a difference, man, of, you know, I, 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 I know looking back on my life that I've faked my identity for a long time, right? And when you truly step into who you are and who God is calling you to be, it's a difference, right? Your confidence is different. How you carry yourself, your boldness, your courage is just different. And I feel like a lot of people never attain that. Right. And so or they know it and then they don't pursue it because they're afraid of it. Right. Yeah. I, and, I, I ran for mine for a long time. Right. 15 years, probably. And yeah, yeah it's exhausting. And you, you live in this. I was a very anxious person and mm-hmm. um, just didn't feel like I could really breathe. And then right. finally just gave it all to God. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's always a work in progress. Yeah. But and that's the whole premise of this podcast is people that are you're, you're selling. We're both in sales, but we're not. Right. Right. But it's how to go and essentially be yourself for a living mm-hmm. and let people know that it's OK, that if yes. you don't want to go be a banker or a football player or a realtor, that's OK. You right. can pursue the thing that makes you really happy. Exactly. And that's, that's powerful at your age to yeah. have discovered that is, you know, there's a different kind of special. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate it. And like you said, it's just it's just the team, man, because I can, you know, I'm the type of guy that. I can work, work, work. Like, that's just in my nature. It's in my DNA. And, you know, having the right team around me, um, my wife is amazing at helping me see, like, hey, like, you're doing a great job because I'm I'm extremely hard on myself, right? And so having people like her, having people on our team that can help us see, you know, the little victories that we're winning 
is super important because it's I'm, so hard. Oh man, it's so hard to celebrate it. Yeah, it's so hard when you don't ever slow down. I think, and again, that's why God gives uh, people like us girls. Mm -hmm. I think, or just <laughs> kids, but for real, I mean, it, it, yeah. it helps you enjoy things that actually really matter. Yeah. Even though your work is is obviously uh, for the kingdom, I mm -hmm. think technically everybody's could be. Everybody's yes. Um, but it's you know easier said than done. But that's that's a really big obstacle for me mm -hmm. is to enjoy like the whole stopping and smelling the roses things. I never really. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. And then you get callous for it. And then when things are going great for me, I, I'm like, all right, when is it all going to fall apart? And then it just turns this ball of right. anxiety. Uh, it overwhelms me. But it seems like you're really you, you've got a really clear vision. Right. Uh, so you, let's say you look back and you're a lot older, whether you're 33 or you're 103 <laughs> and, and you look back on what you did to impact, you know, the world and leave it better. What what is the one thing you're going to be most proud of? Um, the one thing that I can be the most proud of is that I felt the calling, I felt the nudging, and I went and did it. Mm. You know, um, that's something that's helped me realize, again, um, accepting those small victories, that this it's not necessarily, I forgot who said this, probably somebody I was listening to, but um, it's the accomplishment is not when you reach that certain goal the accomplishment is when you are obedient, right? And I feel... Chuck Mangione, I think. Was it? No, I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I like how you lighten it because I can get serious, like, man. Really? Like, what? Was the old Kansas coach? <laughs> right. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> but no, man, just, just being obedient, man. And, um, you know, I'm really working on now is um, how to lead my household. That's something that I definitely want to make sure when I look back, when I get older, that, you know, as I try to pour into all these kids and, and all these individuals and I'm trying to help all these other people that I don't forsake and forget about my household. Right. That I'm pouring into my wife and my kids. That's your real job. Right. It's my number one job. Yeah. So that's um, that's what I'm trying to do now. Find that balance. Yeah. You know, being a great father and husband. Um, and also being able to do everything that God is calling me to do outside of that. Can I ask you a heavy question that um, might make this a little bit awkward, but I feel like I need to do it? For sure. Um, does it anger you that Steph Curry has stolen your identity and plays <laughs> at professional basketball <laughs> you funny. as you? <laughs> Listen, I get it all the time. Answer the question. <laughs> I'm <laughs> used to it. Um, yeah, man. You know, that bothers me. Yeah. You know, I just at least want to see a little bit of his Maybe fruit. a sponsorship. Yeah, that's it. Get un Why an Under Armour Curry, doing camp exposure? Yeah. You know. Steph and Aisha, when you watch this, not if, when you watch it, you need to reach out, which leads us to the most important question. How do we support you? Camp exposure, God benefits, uh -huh. the Curry Foundation. How do we go <laughs> and find you and, and support you and become an even bigger fan? Yeah, man. You can, you can find us on all social media platforms at the Camp Exposure. Um, the website. Thank the, you for saying at. Yes. That's yes. a 33 year old right there. Just <laughs> at. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, no, but uh, website. www. Yes, www.thecampexposure.com. Okay. okay. Uh, but yeah, man, support us, man. We, um, we're all about just getting the message out there, um, helping people understand we're not just another af athlete program. We're truly an education based program that's helping these kids, you know, find their identity beyond sports. So spreading that word, coming out and volunteering. We're we're always looking for professionals to come and speak to our kids and, you know, tell them about their journey, their business and how they became successful. And um, as far as encouragement to everybody watching, whenever 
you know, whenever they get their calling, right? What, what's your suggestion? What's your encouragement? Whether you're my age, your age, younger, older, what's the suggestion and the encouragement and the advice you want to leave everybody with today? Um, don't be scared, of course, right? Don't be fearful. Um, God does not bless us with a spirit of fear. Um, so do not let fear make your decisions. Um, always consult, right? The most high, always consult the wise counsel around you. Um, to be, you know, guided and directed. And again, man, when you get that, when you, when you've done all that, take the step, you know, take the step and and make sure you have a plan in place. Uh, You know, not just telling anybody just to jump in the water. Some people are, I feel like some people are called to jump in the water and some people are called to do it a little more slowly, but whatever you feel like your calling is, don't maybe the water is not super deep for some people. It might be like a bathtub. And then for people like you and me, it's like, Oh, the ocean. Right. There's Jump nothing around it. Just, yeah, learn yeah. learn how to swim. Here's a little floaty. Yeah. yeah, and You might not get a floaty. <laughs> right. Just learn how to tread water. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, man, no fear. No fear. Yeah, you should turn no fear into it. That'd be a good T-shirt line. I'm sure somebody has done that. You don't remember no fear? Uh, that's dating me. You don't remember no fear? Is that the rock? No, dude. No fear was like the great. Are you serious? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, episode this? two with Tyler coming up. No fear was like the greatest T-shirt in the history. All right. We're, we're going to talk off record about this. No fear and stuff, Curry. If you, you don't ever no fear, dude, it was like every great sports quote. It would have like the Wayne Gretzky I, or Michael Jordan. I miss 99% of the shots. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Right. Even though it's Wayne Gretzky. And then you don't remember this? That was a clothing brand. Okay. That, that thus was concludes. Was it like cut off t-shirt? No, but it, you could cut it off if you want. No fear t-shirts were, it was the precipice of like when I was like a 12 year old and everybody wanted to wear a no fear t-shirt. Huh. We're going to get on eBay yeah, in a second. We're going to actually bring back No Fear. God Benefits <laughs> is going to go. is sponsor it. Come but, on. Um, this is why we wanted Tyler to come on. He's an authentic uh, authentic leader that has a, a, a calling and a goal to go and impact everybody and to do it to scale. And whether he's leading a group of young uh, professional athletes here in Dallas or across the world, the butterfly, the butterfly effect uh, that he, uh, creates will never be, uh, you'll never be able to see it, which is even more powerful. It's you're spreading the love of Jesus and the love of, uh, significance all over the world. And for that, we thank you. And we thank you for being on the, on the show today. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. This was great. Yeah. Uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? It's the, by the time this series, the Super Bowl might've already oh happened. Gosh. 2022 champion. Who will it be? I can't, I can't say the answer I want to because of who I played for. Dude, I think it could be the Jaguars. Funny guy. Over the Cowboys. It's not going to be the Cowboys. <laughs> See, we, we can talk about it off record, but I think it's going to be somebody that the Cowboys do not like. 49ers. No. The Eagles? Yeah. I wouldn't mind it. I think they're yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I think pretty so too. Good. Yeah. Okay, so not a Cowboys fan. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Cowboys uh, going to win it. Yeah. Dak Prescott is going to lead the way. <laughs> We're going to you know, edit yeah. this. Yes. Okay. Well, well, thanks for coming today. And again, camp ex- thecampexposure.com, yes. the camp exposure on social media. Yes, sorry. And, and Tyler, what's your actual Instagram if they want to connect and follow yeah, you, you too? You can search my name, Tyler Patman. Um, all my handles are lionhearted underscore 26. So that's easy way to find me. Love it. Well, thanks for being on the show and thanks yes, for sir. being our friend. Thank you.